the podcast on the Sing Second Sports Network are a ProVision Advisors production. At ProVision Advisors, we specialize in strategic communication planning, execution, and coaching for senior-level leaders and communicators dedicated to achieving success. Visit ProVisionAdvisors.net to learn more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the one and only Navy Football Podcast, brought to you by New Day USA. I'm Bill Wagner, longtime beat writer for Navy Football for Capital Gazette newspapers and now the Baltimore Sun. I am joined by two of the greatest players in the triple option era of Navy football, record-setting quarterback Keenan Reynolds and standout fullback Eric Catani. Both of them went on to play in the NFL. And later this uh, podcast, when we do our Academy Securities Alumni Spotlight, we're going to talk to another uh, member of that very small fraternity of former Navy players who uh, made it to the NFL. Uh, guys, it's it's senior day in Annapolis. It's also homecoming. Winning on senior day used to be as automatic as death and taxes. Navy won 17 straight senior day games uh, and now has lost two in a row, unfortunately. Now the 2020 senior day game was in front of no fans, a very small number of the seniors uh, family were allowed in the stadium, but there was not a normal crowd. And then last year was the disappointing overtime or 38-35 loss to East Carolina on senior day. And so I wanted to start by asking each of you to kind of reflect and remember your senior day. Eric, uh, what do you remember from that that last game at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium? I remember uh, <clears throat> Clint Shelby return of the touchdown. Uh, it was just a really, really iconic game, fun game. Kind of showed the grit of Navy football and, and who we are. And, uh, you know, coming back, uh, being down, I think, three touchdowns um, and showing up. It was more important, you know, having the seniors celebrate who they are. You know, four years of the academy is very, very hard. Um, and then seeing their their parents walk on. I, remember walking, I walked to my parents. I remember Will Scarl actually walked down with our sponsor parents, Mike and Donna. So it was kind of a you know, a very, very you know, fun time for pregame to see your family and, you know, show what you did over those four years, especially for Keenan, you know, breaking all his records, uh, you know, showing those moments with uh, his friends and family has to be special. I'm excited to hear about that. Well, just so uh, for the record, uh, and Eric mentioned Clint Sobey, he was the captain of the 2008 team along with quarterback Jared Bryant. And uh, Eric's senior day game was a 33-27 victory over Temple. It, it was an overtime game. Uh, Keenan's senior day game was not nearly uh, as much of a nail biter uh, as a senior captain in 2015. Senior day came early, kind of like it is this year. Uh, SMU, uh, second weekend of November, and Navy just absolutely rolled 55 to 14. Keenan, any special memories of that? Uh, walking out there with Donnie and your mom? Yeah, I actually. Before you, while Eric was talking, and uh, before you mentioned SMU, I, I honestly couldn't remember who, who our senior day game was against. Uh, but that specific game, I remember. I just couldn't remember if it was the last home game or not. But that was the game that I broke the record. So that one obviously uh, definitely stands out for me uh, in, in my Navy football career. 
And what do you remember about senior day in general? I mean, obviously you're out there with your classmates, everybody's families. I mean, you get to know the parents of your fellow seniors as you go along through the Naval Academy. Was that a special day in general that you recollect? Yeah, I mean, we were kind of going out there with, it was kind of a sobering thought, like after four years of playing in Navy Marine Corps, and then we play in the SMU game. It's like this could be the last time that we ever step on this field as a football team. Uh, you know, we, we ended up coming back for the bowl game, which w- w- at the time when we were playing at SMU, like we had our sights set on playing in the Peach Bowl. So, like, we had a mentality of, like, we're never coming back here to play a game. And so uh, that that was a, a definitely a weird feeling because after four years, so many games, sitting through a bunch of senior days uh, in my career, it was just different being like the senior now. And like before every, before every senior day game, coach Nehemiah always has the seniors stand up and like, you know, they could say whatever they want. You know, they could tell stories. They could, you know, talk about memories or whatever. And like having sat through that for three years and then all of a sudden now it's your turn to, to talk about it. Um, it was just crazy. Um, and, and time flies. I mean, I think that's probably the biggest thing that you learn as a senior is like, you literally just I remember I remember being a plea first day on I day getting crushed. And then like now here I am as a senior last home game. Like it was just it just kind of put everything in perspective uh, for me as far as like my career at Navy. Well, it's a small senior class for Navy, only 25 seniors. And of that 25, a very few are actually you know major contributors. There's five total starters, two offense, two defense and a kicker. Daniel Davies, the offensive starters are Kip Franklin, the tackle, and Mark Walker, the wide receiver. The defensive starters are the two outside linebackers, Nicholas Strahl and uh, Captain John Marshall. Uh, So it's uh, not a lot of seniors. And then there's only three other seniors even on the depth chart, and those seniors are all third, number three on the depth. So not a lot of contributors, and it's due largely to COVID. Uh, This class dealt with COVID uh, right in the heart of it. They were – came in in 2019, and then their second semester of plebe year was when COVID began, and they didn't you know, see the end of it until well into 2021. So they had two full seasons, spring and fall, of uh, dealing with COVID, and that's why a lot of them are gone, and many of them transferred. Johnny Hodge is an inside linebacker, starts from TCU. He's their second-leading tackler. Jalen Garns is a safety who starts for Wake Forest as their second leading tackler. And uh, I could go on and on, but there are several other players who uh, probably would be contributing here. Uh, but it is what it is. So senior day is going to be against Temple and Navy is a, well, they began the week as a two touchdown favorite. Uh, Chris Cervello, if you're able to answer, uh, is Navy, has that line moved? I've seen some have it as low as 12 uh, the highest I've seen is 14 and a half, um, but it's settled in right around 13 and a half. So, yeah, about a two touchdown favorite. Well, there you go. Navy, uh, as much as a two touchdown favorite, um, to me, this is a must win game. I, I think if you lose to a struggling Temple team at home on senior day during homecoming, uh, it's really going to be bad. Eric, thoughts? Two, just two touchdown favorites. Uh it's the first time we've heard that uh, in a while. It's usually the opposite. So, uh, you know, this is a must win for, you know, the players, the senior days especially. 
Um, but, you know, I'm excited to see what they could do. Well, as you know, uh, the Navy seniors always pose for a group photo on the field after the game. And, and during the 17 straight seasons in which Navy won on senior day, the scene was always the same. The seniors ran into the locker room and all the rest of the players kind of formed a tunnel and throw water on them and just really a big celebration, you know, really recognizing the seniors and, and sending them out with a, a victory. Um, the reason Temple is a two-touchdown underdog is that their offense is just not good. They have a notable name at quarterback. E.J. Warner is a true freshman. He's the son of NFL Hall of Famer, former Super Bowl MVP, two-time NFL MVP, Kurt Warner, but he's a young kid. And uh, they rank at the bottom of the football bowl subdivision in almost every major offensive category. And my, my thought is that, that I know they're like 122 in rushing. They don't run the ball well. So Navy, as we know, that's their forte, stopping the run. So I, I see Navy making uh, Temple one-dimensional and uh, having a young quarterback that, that Newberry can dial up some exotic pressures and blitzes and get, you know, get this guy all rattled. Um, Keenan, your opinion regarding Temple? I mean, if, if you lose at home on senior day, to Temple, which is really struggling, uh, is probably the worst team in the American Athletic Conference. Uh, that's not going to be good, right? If we don't beat these guys, like, it, it literally doesn't get in. Like, this is probably the easiest that it will be for the rest of the season. It is the easiest it will be for the rest of the season. And it's not easy to, to win any, any you know, conference game. But to not skip ahead, you got Cincy, Central Florida, Notre Dame, Army. I mean, you're you're in for a tough time, right? So this is a good way to get a win as you go into this really tough stretch coming up, get some momentum going, and, you know, get confidence back. The offense has been able to produce rather impressive numbers uh, besides last week um, on the ground. So, like, can we get the rushing game back to, you know, what we saw against Tulsa, what we saw against SMU? Um, and then defensively, you know, this is kind of a, a softball for us as far as getting back on track, stopping, stop, obviously stopping the run is we've been very good at, but let's, let's focus on like limiting big plays. Like, can we keep big plays under five? You know, you know, that's a reasonable number. I feel like if you can stop uh, pass explosives or passes, I think greater than 25 yards and keep that under five yard five times over the game, I think that's significant improvement. And you're going to have to have something to kind of hang your hat on, again, as you roll into this, this tough stretch because these teams are much more potent on offense. You need to develop some sort of – either get your confidence back, your mojo back, your swag back. I mean, you know, earlier in the season, you got top 5D. And, you know, over the last few weeks where we've kind of had breakdowns, um, you may have lost a little bit of confidence during that stretch. Maybe not. Uh, but it's still good to kind of see it in action to see yourself producing and doing well in action. Well, as Keenan mentioned, this will probably be the last time Navy's favored until possibly the Army game. Uh, road trips to Cincinnati, which is 6-1, and one. Central Florida, which has a similar record. These are two teams at the top of the American Athletic Conference standings, and that's sandwiched around – those two games are sandwiched around a neutral site game against Notre Dame at M&T Bank Stadium, and Notre Dame's not having – a typical Notre Dame season, but it's a, it's Notre Dame. It's a big ask to try to beat Notre Dame no matter where you play them. 
So we're going to take a break and hear from our sponsor, New Day USA. And when we return, we will have the Academy Securities Alumni Spotlight. We are so proud that this podcast is sponsored by New Day USA. If you are an active or retired veteran and you need a loan of any sort, conventional mortgage, refinance, home equity, or even a reverse mortgage, you need to call New Day USA. Whereas another lender may turn down your application, New Day USA is more likely to say yes. So veterans, active and retired, if you need a home loan of any sort, contact New Day USA. All right, Sing Second fans, a few announcements from our friends of the Naval Academy Athletic Association. It is not too late to get tickets for tomorrow's Temple game. This is the last time you'll get to see the midshipmen at home at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. So get on over to NavySports.com or call 1-800-US-4-NAVY and get those tickets for this week's final home game. And then speaking of home games, be sure to get your basketball season tickets while you're on NavySports.com. The men and women's basketball teams had great 2022 seasons. They expect to carry that momentum over into the 22-23 season. So get those season tickets today. And while you're looking for basketball tickets, grab your Veterans Classic tickets. Navy brings in Houston, Princeton, and St. Joe's for this year's Veterans Classic. This has become an awesome tradition that the Naval Academy has each and every year on Veterans Day. So be sure to get those tickets. Now back to the pod. Welcome back to the Navy Football Podcast, and it's now time for our weekly Academy Securities Alumni Spotlight. We are joined by one of the greatest players in Navy football history, Bob Kaberski. Bob was a standout player from the Philadelphia area. In fact, Bob and I were talking earlier this week, and he comes from just outside of Philadelphia, kind of near the Chester, PA area. He was a 92 graduate, played under George Chomp during the tenure of head coach George Chomp. And Bob went on to enjoy a very successful career in the NFL, mostly with the Green Bay Packers. And as I mentioned in the open, uh, I'm on this pod with three of only a a small number of Navy football players, Naval Academy graduates who played in the NFL with Eric Catani, Keenan Reynolds, and now Bob Kaberski. Bob, first and foremost, why don't you talk about your time at Navy? Um, Frankly, it wasn't overly successful. Uh, Your last two seasons, uh, 91-92, Navy was 2-20. Can you talk about the difficulties of going through those Thanks for the uh, thanks for the invite, Bill. Great to hear you uh, today, tonight, and also Keenan and uh, Eric. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate the work you guys are doing with the podcast that you're sending out. Uh, Bill, thanks for the uh, intro. And um, you know, I was actually talking to a friend of mine, Dave Lilliflorin, last month when I was down in Annapolis for for a home game, one of the games, and. Um, you know, the it kind of harkened back to that 91 and 92 era that you mentioned a moment ago. Uh, and, you know, I would call them abysmal seasons, both one and 10 seasons for me in my junior, you know, and senior years. And it was, um, you know, probably a low spot in Navy football history, uh, you know, until we started to have the Paul Johnsons and Kenny Matalolos and the success that both, you know, Eric and Keenan enjoyed. And um, for me, honestly, Bill, the way I kind of dealt with it was that I just decided that, 
you know, we may not win every game, but I'm going to go out there and I'm going to win. And in doing so, hopefully that would help, you know, my teammates around me, but not, not as much getting caught up in the win and loss column, um, but just trying to make it a personal one-on-one battle, you know, every day. And for me, that was the only way I could sort of make sense of it. Well, just real quickly to set the record straight, Bob was, is from Ridley High School, and that's actually in Folsom, Pennsylvania, so not uh, Chester, uh, which is close by, though. Um, and Bob was a two-time All-East selection while he was at Navy and wound up being drafted by the Green Bay Packers in the seventh round of the 1993 NFL Draft. Bob, I know you served two years of active duty. Why don't you just kind of tell me, were you surprised to get drafted by the Packers? And then how did things progress? Because obviously you were able to do the two-year option, which is kind of what Eric did, uh, the two-year option, and then turn pro. But kind of tell me how things developed. Did you go to training camp with the Packers during the two years you were serving? Just kind of tell us how things evolved from the time you graduated from the academy until the time you joined the Packers full-time. Yeah. um, So you did have, by the way, Chester, Pennsylvania was where I was born, and my hometown is Ridley Township there in Folsom uh, for – for the uh, high school, you know, experience. So you, so you weren't too far off, Bill. So don't don't uh, beat yourself up on that. Um, the uh, you know, my time at the academy, I knew going into my junior year, I'd have a shot, you know, to play in the NFL, and that was really from one of my coaches who approached me the first time. His name was Jake Ganos. Um, Jake was our defensive line coach, and later became a linebacker coach. But one of the probably probably the finest coach I ever had from a technique standpoint and the instruction that he gave. Uh, so I had a pretty good idea that it was going to come to fruition. Um, the military side obviously has a different uh, viewpoint on, you know, whether they want you to play in the NFL versus serve your, serve your commitment. Um, it, we made it about as hard as we could back then guys. And it was because, you know, we had a, we had a losing record my senior year of one in 10. Um, we, I wasn't allowed to go to a, you know, any senior bowl games. I wasn't allowed to go to the combine. We, of course, as a team, didn't go to any conference championship or any bowl games ourselves. So it made it about as tough as um, it could have been. Um, I petitioned the Secretary of the Navy for permission to play upon graduation and did that a couple times, actually, over the next two years. So my, you know, there wasn't a program in place in the 90s that, that like there is today. Um, so that could be a whole nother podcast, but, um, I had a pretty good idea that I would, that would, I, I would get called on draft day. Um, wasn't sure where I would fall in terms of the round because I really didn't know what my commitment would look like, you know, post, um, you know, my graduation, um, your, your other question, Bill, you know, I did go to, I did get commissioned, um, served TAD at the academy with the football program, take my 30 days leave immediately upon graduation. Uh, in fact, I skipped my honeymoon and uh, went to training camp with the Packers in 1993. Uh, and that was kind of for me to, you know, show my commitment, hope that I could get an opportunity down the road, but also to test myself uh, in the NFL to see, hey, you know, am I, am I going to be good enough? Is this a dream I want to keep alive, you know, for the next however many years at that point? Um, so that was my first NFL experience. You know, I hit the post-draft mini camp that everybody gets invited to, of course, while I was still in mid, and then the um, the training camp in July and August of twenty. I'm sorry, ninety three. Right, you know, two months after graduation. 
Well, Bob's a big son of a gun. Anybody, any of us who have met him in person and know him, he's uh, six foot four, 300 pounds when he was playing with the Packers. Uh, Bob, you had five seasons with the Packers, and I know uh, you did quite well. Uh, any memorable moments, memorable seasons? I mean, I think you, know, you evolved into becoming a starter for Green Bay. Is that not correct? So I was, a, you know, mostly a backup player, Bill, but also was was fortunate enough to be able to start some games, yes. Um, played on a great team uh, in Green Bay, uh, 95 to 99. We, we were fortunate enough to go to, you know, the NFC Championship when I was a rookie and lose to the Cowboys who, um, you know, won the Super Bowl that year and were probably one of the best teams I ever played against. Uh, my second year won the Super Bowl. Third year we unfortunately lost the Super Bowl to uh, Denver and Mr. Elway. And then um, when I left in 99, we actually um, got kicked out by the San Francisco 49ers and Steve Young and a guy named Terrell Owens on a Hail Mary pass with like 20 seconds left. It was my last Packer game. So it had a heck of a run there. was fortunate enough to start a few times um, to be a role player there and, you know, rotate on the defensive line, which is one of those positions where you're, you know, you get fortunate enough to do that. Um, and just had a tremendous experience. It was different than, um, you know, being in college when, you, you know, if you're going to play in the NFL, you better be the best player on the field in college and, you know, learning how to, you know, be ready when, when I was called upon versus, um, you know, being ready, you know, on, on the first snap of the game and playing the entire game, you know, like I was accustomed to was a little different, um, but that's what you get paid the big bucks for. And, they say put on your big boy pants uh, when you get up in the NFL, as Keenan and you know Eric can tell you. Well, you're joking about the big bucks. Back when you played in the 90s, it wasn't the big bucks that Eric and Keenan made during their time. Eric, you've gotten to know Bob uh, through uh, alumni connections. Why don't you jump in here? Bob and I know each other via the uh, the trustees and just being friends over time with uh, with Lily and all the connections that that class has. And, and Bob, I believe you're the, you're the class president, aren't you? And you, you guys are having your your third year next year. Yeah, you're making me feel old, Eric. Uh, hey. Yeah. So, so uh, a couple of years ago, I raised my hand to try to you know do some things that I thought you know would be beneficial for the class. You know, mainly in, in the early goings around fundraising, which we've had a very successful campaign. But you know, also the class presidency brings brings with it you know, the, the pleasure of, um, you know, hosting a reunion. So we're, we're coming up, as you mentioned on our 30 year reunion here. And, um, we've got a phenomenal committee led by Jamie Arnone, which is a classmate football player of mine from 93, uh, and, and, and a number of other folks, many of which are in our suite, Eric, which you've been to, uh, the lily pad, uh, at our favorite place. Oh Navy yeah. Memorial that, stadium. That's sweet in the stadium, hands down. I did the same thing you did, Bob. I didn't know you did the same thing kind of with, uh, you know, 30 days of leave, going to training camp to show yourself and, you know, see, you know, if you're a good enough player. Can you talk more about that for, for the listeners? Because, like, I don't, I don't think people realize, you know, when I would you know, with the Navy, I'm like, all right, you know, what, uh, you know, am I good enough to play against these USC guys and, you know, Stanford guys and these Big Ten guys? You know, can you tell, tell a story about, you know, playing your first couple snaps in, in the NFL and, and realizing you made it or you can make it at least? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and it's good that, you know, someone, someone else who has, has walked the walk, you, you'll fully understand. I, uh, you know, I took my leave and I don't think it was a very popular option by, um, you know, people in the Navy family, you know, they weren't, I don't think real happy that I went. In fact, I don't think they knew I went until they saw me on TV. We played, uh, the Raiders and Napoleon McCallum in the hall of fame game up in, uh, Canton. 
Um, but really getting there, Eric, um, you know, I felt really good by the time training camp was finished, but for me, I was always sort of a grinder and, you know, just not, not the highest level of skill, you know, as I walked on the field with, uh, you know, some sort of physical prowess and great speed, great strength more than anyone else. So for me, I had to really work and grind my way into it. It really took me a couple weeks, I think, to get my feet under me um, to where I felt much more confident. And then when we got to play in the games, I was always a game kind of player. And I think um, that really helped me and had a really good preseason. But honestly, the first first few days, weeks, I mean, I felt like I could have, you know, done 12 backflips after the ball was snapped and everybody would have been standing there watching me, you know, because they were just so much better, um, you know, at the professional level. And rushing the passer became like a whole different, whole different ball game uh, when you're playing against that caliber. Because you figure if you're in college, you know, you're the best player on the field. You have a great disparity level week to week between your opponents. You get to the NFL and damn near every one of them is as good or better than you are. Yeah, so what do you do now? So it was a very eye-open experience that kind of worked my way through it in time to where I gained a level of confidence that I needed. And when I ended up, things went well. Ron Wolf was our general manager, uh, who I have a lot to thank for. And, you know, he said, hey, you did a great job. If you could stay, you would have made the team. And, you know, congratulations. So it was, uh, it was a good experience and well worth it, even though it wasn't one that I think um, was highly advocated by, um, you know, leadership at the time. Hey, Bob. Uh- Appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, so my question is kind of centered around like your time uh, on on the Packers. Uh, one of the questions I use, I usually get is like, who is like the best player you played with? And I want to say you overlap with Reggie White. I could be wrong. My timeline could be off. But did you overlap with Reggie White? Reginald Howard White. I I did. Keenan, great you know, great memory there. Um, he was actually, so going back to 1993, so Reggie White and Freeman McNeil, Freeman McNeil was a running back for the Jets, had the White-McNeil case, which was against the NFL, and it actually spawned free agency in 1993 as we know it today. Um, when that happened, Reggie White was a Philadelphia Eagle for, I don't know, I think seven seasons, had played in the USFL with the New Jersey Generals. But he actually was playing in Philadelphia. I'm a Philadelphia kid. I get drafted. He signs as a free agent, and I'm in training camp with him like the next day. It was surreal. Um, but, you know, the minister of defense, as many people knew him, uh, for me, he was always a great teammate and treated me and my wife and our family, you know, very well and was very, you know, inclusive. I was a young guy, you know, coming out of the you know Navy, obviously a little bit different than the rest of the crowd. But he was he was a phenomenal teammate for me. And. Um, just an amazing, amazing athlete. And then his off, off the field, uh, things were extracurriculars were obviously well known, uh, with his reverency and all the things he did, uh, around his religious belief. So he was, he was phenomenal. And what he did really was make it okay for people to come to green Bay as a free agent, because for a long time, really since the sixties, they didn't have success for 20 plus years. Um, we, we had a bunch of guys come through green Bay and, um, some of them were questionable and, um, they were phenomenal. So when I say questionable, you guys may know the name Andre Risen or Andre bad moon Risen, um, was kind of one of the guys in the league that just had a reputation and came to green Bay fit in. Awesome. We won a super bowl. He was a great guy. We had Keith Jackson come in, 
Seth Joyner, who has a pretty good career in broadcasting up in Philadelphia right now. But really, people thought it was okay to go to Green Bay. It wasn't just, you know, kind of like going to a gulag in the middle of Russia, just going up to Wisconsin and being up there in the snow and the tundra. Um, it became a different place. And he kind of made it okay. And I don't think he did that purposely, but he just did by his presence uh, and his willingness to go there and, um, you know, bring us the success that we had. Well, man, that's that's amazing. I got, I got one more question uh, for you. And this kind of goes back to your uh, the time, like when you left training camp and now you're going to do like your two years before you came back and was an actual full-time member of the, of the roster. Like as a, as like a skill player, I think like keeping your, like keeping your speed and like running and catching and doing that kind of stuff, I think is easier if you had like a layoff than it would be as a, uh, as a large defensive lineman who has to rush a pass, who has to stay explosive, stay strong, stay big, and then also, you know, doing your thing, active duty. Like, how did you go about that gap and, like, staying ready to go and, like, play against NFL pass blockers and compete with with, with people that are the strongest and the best at their position? It was really tough. Um, I had one CO up at SWAS put me in PT with some Navy SEALs that were stationed up there, and, you know, I was, you know, 320 pounds maybe at the time. And, um, I didn't do a great job of it, Keenan, to be honest with you. Um, knowing what I know today and what's available today, um, you know, would have been a whole, whole different ball game for me if I knew kind of what I knew now. Um, but I worked out, uh, Rob Goodson, a, a friend of mine, um, that was also a defensive lineman classmate teammate, um, you know, worked out with me when I was in Newport, uh, for a while. And then I ended up going down the little Creek and it was tough. I mean, to the point where two years later, when I finally got a chance, I mean, it took me a while to work my way into playing shape and, um, I could have done a much, much better job, but I felt very fortunate, you know, after being off for, for over two years and coming back in, you know, securing a spot on a pretty strong Packers team, I felt very fortunate, um, that maybe I did, you know, just enough, um, to get me there. But, could have could have certainly done you know a better job if I was a little bit more knowledgeable and maybe had a little more help, um, which was hard to find obviously back then. Well, that's kind of interesting that you mentioned Andre Bad Moon Rising. My memory of him is that his girlfriend at the time, Lisa Left Eye Lopes, burned down his house in Atlanta. Did you? Was he playing with you when that happened? <laughs> he absolutely. She absolutely burned his house down. Um, he was coming to green Bay. So that had already occurred, but of course we all asked him, but, um, I, I believe she may have sadly may have passed, um, you know, more recently, but back then that was 1996 and seven. So, you know, he was coming off of a, you know, unfortunate situation, uh, there. And, uh, but that is a true, that is a true, uh, truism and a uh, very, a very unfortunate circumstance. Well, wrapping up with Bob, I mean, you mentioned that during your time in the NFL, you didn't get paid the huge bucks like Keenan and Eric did, um, but you ended up doing quite well in business. Why don't you just quickly summarize what you wound up doing after your NFL career concluded, um, you know, what you ended up doing business-wise? Yeah, um, I wouldn't say I'm the smartest guy, um, but one thing I knew when I got came off of active duty, I went through my first season. I went into the off-season program, which is 16 weeks, four days a week, two hours a day. 
I just knew that, you know, I needed to do something else and I wasn't going to play video games. And, you know, I was married at the time and getting ready to have my first kid. So I asked the team president, who was Bob Harlan at the time. As you know, the Packers are owned by shareholders and not by an owner. And I asked Mr. Harlan uh, if I could have an opportunity somewhere, you know, in the area to do an internship because there were none local from the NFL or the Players Association. And he told me he never had been asked that question before, but he would get back to me. And a couple weeks later, uh, he called me into his office and I took an opportunity to work at an investment firm uh, called Associated up in Green Bay. And, you know, subsequently parlayed that into a career, you know, Morgan Stanley. Uh, and then when I retired, meaning, you know, nobody wanted me anymore, retired, uh, I went to work, uh, at Invesco on the wholesale distribution side of, uh, asset management, selling funds, ETFs, separately managed accounts, et cetera. So it was, uh, something that, you know, happened while I was in the NFL, um, chose a career path and was in the right place to be able to capitalize on it. And now, you know, 30 years later or whatever, you know, here I am uh, working in the financial world and, you know, still capitalizing on on that conversation and that decision and, you know, using my licenses. And um, it's been a really good run. Well, we appreciate Bob Kabersky joining us for the Academy Securities Alumni Spotlight. Uh, we will uh, be back on Sunday evening to do the Temple postgame report. Hopefully it's a very positive report talking about Lots of offense, great defense, and special teams, and a dominating victory for the midshipmen. For Eric Catani, Keenan Reynolds, and our producer, Chris Cervello, we thank Bob Kaberski for joining us. Uh, this is the end of another edition of the Navy Football Podcast. <laughs>